I want to invite you to take your copy of your copy of God's Word and turn with me beginning this morning in the 122nd Psalm. We're going to begin reading there. And then we are going to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 14. Then we're going to read a passage in Ephesians and then one in Thessalonians. But we'll begin in the 122nd Psalm. This is the the 15th in a series of messages on local church membership. And over the past 14 weeks, we have examined the words of our Lord and the words of His apostles throughout the Gospels and the Epistles concerning our Lord's plan and purpose for the local church. And over the past four weeks, and again this morning, we are looking specifically at the purpose and the benefits of the local church being gathered together corporately as we are this morning. Again, I stress the word corporate not in the sense of a business or an organization, but in the sense of the word that we have congregated together. We are here as the body of Christ, and we do that every Lord's Day for the purpose of worshiping Him And I know that very few people stop to think what it means to truly worship the Lord, let alone what it means to worship Him together. Uh, It is a joy and a privilege to just be able to worship the Lord uh, because of His greatness and salvation, but it is a great privilege to also be able to worship the Lord together. Hopefully we have learned by now that the word church means a called-out assembly, Uh, Hopefully we know that. We are not only called out of this world to His service, but we are a called out assembly this morning. We are called out from our homes, called out from wherever we are and whatever we're doing. We have been called together, here together, in this place to worship Him. That's what it means to be a part of the church. And corporate worship is the very center. Uh, It's the very hub of the life of the church. It's, it's why we gather, we worship, we gather together to worship Him. You've heard me say many times before that uh, you will be hard-pressed in Scripture to find where uh, the lost sinner is commanded to come to church. It's just not there. They have no reason to want to come. They have no purpose in coming. We thank God that occasionally sinners do come and hear the gospel and are saved. We would want them together for the purpose of hearing the Word of God. But we do not adapt the church to be sinner-friendly or seeker-friendly. We do not change the church to appeal to the world. We don't do that. We are here today by God's command to worship Him. And that's why we're here. That's the reason the church assembles. And that's the reason the church gathers. It shapes and strengthens the very life of our church. For the past two Sundays, we have looked at why we gather in corporate worship. We gather, if you remember, to make ourselves visible to ourselves. We gather together to communicate God's wisdom to the powers that are in the heavenly places. That's what Paul said in Ephesians. And then, as we've seen last week, we gather to exalt and glorify God. And we do that reverently. And we do that as we rejoice, as we praise Him, as we thank Him as we testify to His goodness. And then we gather to be thankful 
for what He has done for us. Not just on things, but to be thankful for who He is and all of His goodness to us. This morning, I want us to move a step further and look at the, at the thought of God gathering us in corporate worship for not only for His glory in exaltation, but I want us to look this morning at God gathering us together to edify us, to build us up, to help us as the body of Christ. Let's begin in Psalm 122. We'll read verse 1 through 9. We're going to come back to this, so you may want to keep your place there in the 122nd Psalm. This is a Psalm of David. Listen to David's expressions here of his gladness and his joy. He says in Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together, whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. In Paul's letter to the church at Rome, we begin in chapter 14. And I want to read one verse, verse number 19, and then we'll go to chapter 15. Again, we're thinking about God gathering us together, not only to exalt Him, He's gathering us for His glory, but about Him gathering us for our good, so that we can be edified, so that we can be built up. Romans chapter number 14 and verse number 19. Paul says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Then if you'll go down to chapter 15 and verse in verse number 6 of Romans. Now the God of patience and the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Ephesians, if you'll look there at another passage, Ephesians 5 and verse number 19. Ephesians 5 and verse number 19. Again, now these verses are speaking about building each other up, building God's people up, being edified as we're together. He says in Ephesians 5, 19, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then one final verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 11. 
Paul says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. If you'll turn back to the 122nd Psalm this morning, we're going to begin here by looking at how God gathers us for our good. He gathers us for His glory. He gathers us to praise Him, to worship Him, to testify to Him, to shout His praises, to sing His songs, to give honor and glory unto His great name. But He also gathers us for our own edification. The church is edified. The church is built up. The word carries with it the idea of being constructed, being built up. It is being strengthened as we gather together. Gathering for worship with our focus on God. As we've mentioned the past several weeks, that's the vertical dimension. That's the vertical dimension of our worship. Vertical means from top to bottom. We gather together to glorify God. That's the vertical dimension of our worship. We do not praise one another. We praise Him and we give Him glory and we give Him honor. But there is a horizontal dimension to our corporate worship. Horizontal means left to right, right to left. It is the very opposite of vertical. Worship is about what goes on between God and us, from heaven to us and us to heaven. But it is also about what takes place in here between us. Speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. As I read the scriptures just a moment ago, I read them to God's glory because they are His Word and He is pleased to hear His Word. But I also read them to you, His people, as an edification to build you up, to instruct you and to guide you in this subject we're thinking about this morning. As the choir sang a while ago, there's a vertical aspect of that. They sing praises unto God and they lift up their voices unto Him to give Him glory. But there's also a horizontal benefit of that. We were listening and they were singing to us, reminding us of God's goodness, of God's mercy, and of God's grace. So it means that as we exalt God, which is our priority, The side blessing of that is that we are also edified or built up, and we build up one with another. That lays to rest the premise and the ideology that many professing believers have that they can worship God at home or they can worship God alone as well as they can at church. That is just not biblical. There is no edification. There is no building up of the body of Christ. We need each other. We are God's people. And God, throughout the pages of the Word of God, He he just repeats it over and over again. Just read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God has a people, yes, who individually can worship God, but He has a design that those people corporately, that they worship Him forever and forever together in heaven someday. And we worship Him weekly here together according to His command on the first day of the week. I've never met any of these folks who say they can worship God without the church. I've never met any of them who has suggested that they want to stay here for the rest of their life, worshiping God by themselves while the rest of God's people go to heaven. I've never heard anybody suggest that. Well, if you're looking forward to being in heaven with God's people, you look forward to being here on the Lord's day with God's people because it's just a shadow of what we're going to have one day together in glory. I want us to look at the 122nd Psalm 
And I want us just to go back through this rather briefly, but just go through this this morning because there's something that stands out about uh, what David is saying here that should stand out with us this morning in our corporate gathering as the church. I want you to notice a couple things, and I want to ask you two questions about this psalm. First of all, in verse 1, why is David glad? Why is David glad? He says, I was glad. So why is David glad? If I was to see someone standing today just laughing and giggling or just totally had just lost it, uh, I'm probably going to say, what's so funny? What is it you're laughing about? If I hear someone praying so intently and, and praying with such a burden, then I would want to also say to them, what are you praying about? What is burdening you? Can I be a part of that as well? So in verse 1, the question, why is David so glad? And in verse number 6, why is David telling us to pray for Jerusalem? Two questions that loom here very deeply in this text. Why is David so glad? Why is the psalmist so joyful? Why is he so happy? And then why is he so prayerful? Why is it that he wants those who are listening to him and will read this psalm to pray for Jerusalem? Well, let me just say right off the start here that the psalmist is edified. He is edified by the gathering of God's people. He is glad because the people of God are going to go to the meeting place, to the house of God, where they gather together to worship and to glorify God. And it absolutely thrilled David. He was pleased. He was joyful. He was glad beyond expression when someone, the Bible says, when they said unto me, it didn't matter who it was, when someone said to David, let's go up to the house of God and let's worship and honor the Lord. It gladdened the very heart of David. David is edified before he ever gets there. He is, his heart is stirred on the inside because someone has invited him to the wonderful place of worship. This pilgrim psalmist, David, he recalls for us his delight in going up to Jerusalem. That was the nation's spiritual and civic capital or center of the day. That's where he's going. And in verse 1, he recalls for us and writes for us how delighted at the prospect was of his pilgrimage up to meet with God and with God's people in the place that God had ordained. You see the word glad there in the text? It means to brighten up. David said, I uh, I mean, my life was lit up. I, I just like you flip the light switch on. The word means to cheer up. The word means a spirited joy. David said, I was just like you turned the light on in my life. It's like you cheered me instantly when you suggested that we were going to meet at God's house to worship our Lord together. Did you notice in the text, I was glad when they said unto me, let us, let us. David said, we're on this pilgrimage together and we are going together up to the house of the Lord. If you were to write verse 1 about what you sensed about this morning, what would you write? I was blank when I realized I had to go to church this morning. What would you write in there if you were expressing how you feel about the corporate assembly of God? How, what would you say? 
Was you brightened? Was you cheered? Did it thrill your heart to know that you were going to be gathered this morning with your brothers and sisters in Christ where the Word would be preached, the Word would be taught, where songs would be sung, where offerings would be given, where fellowship would be enjoyed, where prayers would be offered on your behalf and you could pray for others? Did that gladden your heart? Did that thrill your soul? Or is this just the first Sunday in November and it's time to go back the church. You see, gatherings should edify God's people. It edified the psalmist in the Old Testament. It was edifying to Paul in the passages that I read in Romans and uh, in Thessalonians. It edified him in the passages there in Ephesians. They, he was glad to be with God's people whenever he could be with God's people. It grieved the apostle that he uh, spent so much time in prison away from the people. He longed to be with them. He said, I'd, I'd love to be there. I hope to see you. Phrases like that just permeate his writings of the epistles. What he's saying to you and me this morning, we should be glad to be able to gather together corporately as the body of Christ. You say, preacher, I don't see it. I appreciate you feeling that way, but I just don't feel like you feel. I just don't see that. Uh, I've come to church all my life. It's something we do. Mom and Dad raised me to do this, and, and I, just don't, I just don't see it the way you see it. Come to the cross. Come to Christ. Bow in repentance. Call upon Him for saving grace. Come to Him and ask to be delivered from a world of sin and sickness and sorrow and be saved by God's amazing grace. It is a joy to be gathered with God's people, and it should bring a gladness and a thrill to our heart. In verse 1, he says, I'm glad to be able to go up to Jerusalem, there to the house of God. Would you agree with me, reading verse 1, that the psalmist David loved to worship God? He loved to worship God, and he loved to worship God with God's people. I was glad when they said unto me, let us. I'm glad to put my arm around my brother or sister in Christ. I'm glad to see them. I'm glad to look on their face. I'm glad to pray with them and sing with them and rejoice with them. I'm glad to be gathered with them. Now Jerusalem for us today as new covenant worshipers is the body of Christ. Jerusalem for David under that old covenant was the place God appointed for them to go, for them to meet together but for you and me today, it's the, it's the body of Christ. We're under the new covenant. This is for us what Jerusalem was to David in the Old Testament. We are part of God's covenant people. And I wonder when we come to church on the Lord's Day, or when we come to prayer meeting, and when we gather together, when we take of the Lord's Supper together, when we sit here and people are baptized, when we sing and are sung to, I wonder if we really appreciate the privilege and if we are really glad for this opportunity. I wonder if it puts a spring in anybody's step anymore, a sense of anticipation. It should be. This is edifying. This is edifying. Now you will see people and you will run into people uh, throughout this next week and many of them will tell you how thrilled they are about their church if you ask them what it was going on at their church, I promise you about 9 out of 10 answers will be something related to entertainment. It'll be something related to something that people did to serve them. It will be related to not only entertainment, but some kind of 
something that attracted them or enticed them. Man, I, we had a time yesterday at church. We had so-and-so in from so-and-so, and we had this. Uh, the, the preacher, uh, you know, he loves to hunt, so he preached in camo yesterday with a camo Bible. And, and uh, I, I, man, it was just exciting, preacher. But run into that person tomorrow who says, I was so glad to be at the house of God yesterday. My Sunday school teacher taught. My pastor preached. The choir sang praises to His name. We prayed together over our church family. We gave our offerings together to support the ministry and missions around the world. Did anything exciting happen? Did your preacher cut a cartwheel? Did he do anything fantastic? No, he just rightly divided the word of truth. Was the prayer that was prayed in your Sunday school class, did anybody get stirred up? No, just people that loved me, prayed with me, and prayed for me. David said, I was glad about that. I was glad about those common, ordinary things that God has told us to do. And if you're truly saved and you appreciate this church, you ought to be thankful and glad about the very same things. Because I'm telling you this, there'll be a new color of camo in a few years. There'll be something change in all of that stuff. But brother, God's means of grace to us is what He put in place. And thank God I'm content to travel with Him till I see Him face to face. It edifies us. It builds us up. We gather to worship. Verse 2, he mentions the experience of actually standing within the city gates. Our, notice again, our feet, not my feet, but our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. David is saying, God, I'm so glad that I'm going to get to stand there in the place where we worship and right beside my feet are the feet of the, my brothers and sisters in Christ. He is absolutely thrilled to be there. His anticipation is now fully realized. If it hadn't dawned on you yet, we're here. We're here in the assembly of God's people. Sitting around you are people who's been redeemed by God's amazing grace. People who were at some point in their life headed to a Christless eternity, torment forever under the never-ending wrath and darkness of God forever and forever. But we are now sitting here in the light of the gospel, saved by God's grace. Our feet have met together, and we're here to worship and honor Him. We're with God's people. And we're in God's presence. Preacher, I hadn't failed a thing. We are in God's presence with God's people. Preacher, I hadn't heard God say a thing. I just read God's Word from Psalms. I read it from Romans. I read it from uh, Ephesians. I read it from Thessalonians. That is God speaking. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That is God's Word speaking to us. This is God's presence when we are gathered together in obedience unto Him. Look at verse 3 through 5. He talks about the city of Jerusalem. He talks about her physical beauty. He talks about her permanence. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. The psalmist is talking about her permanence. And he's talking about the fact that the population was closely compacted. Had you lived in Jerusalem in that day, you were close to your neighbor. Brother, that's the way it ought to be in the church. That's the way it ought to be in our assembly today. We ought to be close together. I do believe if I put pews across the creek, 
and another couple pews down at the down here at the store, and one down to the theater, and another up at the old church. I believe some of our folks would sit in those to be that far away from other people. If there's any people, ought to be close to one another. Now that don't mean you have to sit on my lap. That ain't what I'm saying. I'm going to tell you we need to be close to one another. We need to understand one another. You need to look at a pew today where a believer is missing and you need to pray for them and you need to pray for their needs. We need to be compacted together. That's what was so important to David. When he got there, the place was compacted with God's people and it was a beautiful place. It was a place of glory. And look here, there's there's masterpieces, the Bible said, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. There are masterpieces of grace sitting around here and we should know one another and love one another and be glad when we are able to be together with one another. He then mentions it as the spiritual center where the nations, tribes, went on their annual pilgrimage. Look at, look at this verse 4. David said, Jerusalem is where the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord. They go up there under the testimony, he said, of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. These all kind of tribes set in here. Now David's talking about the twelve tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob. That's what he's talking about here. He said, I look over here, and he said, my goodness, there's Issachar, and, and there's Zebulon. And he mentions that. My goodness, look at the tribes in here this morning. Look at the different families and individuals and people that come from all different walks of life. He looked around and seen all of this. He looked around and, and was glad about all of this, that all of them were getting together. He said, Jerusalem here is packed with the nation's tribes. It's not a weak, trivial place. Jerusalem was a significant and an important place. Now, I want to tell you something about the local church. We are not a weak, anemic outdated thing that's happening in this world. A lot of folks who claim to be part of us have departed from us because they look at us as a weak, anemic, insignificant group of people that are gathering together. I promise you on the authority of God's Word, our Lord don't feel that way. He never told us to stop gathering. He never told us to quit meeting together. Thank God it's significant to Him and it should be significant to you and I to be together. Thank God for the privilege to gather. It should bring gladness. Jesus said to Peter on that day at Caesarea Philippi, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want you to know the church while she may be decreased in numbers, she has not decreased in purpose or power and nor promises. Thank God we're the only people here on the face of God's earth that God promised the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. There's no government, no entity, no power on earth that has the keys of heaven and of earth. Christ gave the church certain power that no other entity on the face of this earth has. David said, I was glad to get to Jerusalem. I was glad to let my feet stand within her walls. I was glad to be there with God's people in God's presence. He said, I'm joyed to be a part of that congregation. In that verse 4, he said he was so impressed that the tribes of the Lord were there. All the people of God were represented there at Jerusalem, the coastal tribes. 
Zebulun, the coastal tribe, they were there. Dan, the highlanders, the farmers of Ephraim was there. The desert tribe of Reuben was there. They were all there representing unity and diversity. Look at all the tribes that are in here today. Strange tribes. Weird tribes. Lovely tribes. Some tribes that love the coast. Some tribes that love the mountains. Some tribes like me that love to stay home. I'm the home tribe. I like to stay home. I mean, look at all of But you know what brings us all together? Not because I'm having hunting Sunday or beach going Sunday. That ain't what brought us together. All these tribes came together because we have one thing in common, and His name's Jesus Christ. And He bled and died for us, rose the third day, ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father. And unless you haven't heard, He's coming back for us. And that's what brings us together. All these tribes were of the loins of Jacob, but they were placed in different places with different families for different reasons, for different situations. But David said, when I got to Jerusalem and my feet stood inside the uh, the city walls, David said, I'm impressed that all the tribes are there. Everything God intended is represented there, and so it is in the church. Here we are, all the different tribes. Why? Because... God made us the way we are. We're all different. We're in different places. We're diverse in many ways. But when we gather in here today, we're unified in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Unless you think that's strange, this is a picture of it in the Old Testament in verse 4 where God makes up the people that worship Him in Jerusalem. He makes them from diversity. Listen to what John saw in Revelation 5, 9, and 10 over in heaven. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Diversity. John said, I saw in heaven that You've redeemed every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. In Revelation 5, 9 and 10, David said, when I get inside the walls of Jerusalem under the old covenant, I see diversity. I see all the tribes represented to worship God. John said, when I saw into heaven, I saw the same diversity. People over there worshiping the Lamb out of every tongue and tribe and nation and kindred. And when God looks into this local assembly at West Lenore, He should see the same. He should see not a bunch of clones, but a diversity of people that have all been brought to Him by God's Amazing grace. If you want to stand on the front porch and talk about your differences of opinion of politics, I wouldn't do that. That's wasting time. Or if you want to talk about your different opinions of which automobile's the best, or if you want to talk about which type of cornbread tastes better, have at it. But I want you to know one thing, brother. When we walk in here, all of that is laid aside. We are here this morning for one person and one person only, and that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 5. The psalmist said, For there, where? For in Jerusalem are set thrones of judgment, thrones of the house of David. I love this verse. David is saying, it's up there at the gates of Jerusalem. That's where you can find judgment. Do you remember in the Old Testament, whenever judgment and justice was meted out, they would do that at the city gates? You remember in the book of Ruth? Whenever they was going to redeem, they had to go up to the city gate. That's where the... It would be like David saying today to us, for at the courthouse... It's where we get things settled legally and judicially or at the 
register of deeds is where we get those things settled. Well, in Jerusalem was where God's people came to have judgment and justice meted out to them. That's under the Old Covenant. Do you know what we have here this morning? We live in a world where justice and judgment is hard to find. In the Old Testament, as I said, you had to go to the gates of the city of Jerusalem to find that. But the local church today is the place where wrongs can be made right. Do you know today, and I don't know anything worse judicially than for a man to be at odds with God. That is worse than any crime you can commit in this world. Do you know that in the local church, when we assemble together, and the Word of God is preached and taught, and God's family is sitting together, do you know that by the amazing grace of God, thank God, every wrong can be made right? Amen? Every sin can be forgiven. Every injustice that we've done to one another, we can ask for mercy and for God's grace. Oh, how many times has my heart been justified and cleaned and washed when I have gathered with God's people and in that assembly of God's people I see my sin and my distance and my broken fellowship or the gossip that I should not have said and I repent of that and have been restored to Christ and to His family. When we come to the local place where God's people meet, that's where wrongs can be made right. And I, along with many of you, came here this morning I come from a week where I was misunderstood. I came from a week where I have been treated unfairly. I come from a week where I have been misunderstood in certain things. Boy, it's good to get with God's people where we love one another and forgive one another. Where we can be able to experience the grace and the mercy of God. That's why the church has to look after each other. We have to care about one another. I'm not suggesting this morning that anything will ever be absolutely perfect or absolutely just until we stand before Christ when every wrong is made right. But it edifies me. It builds me up. It encourages me to know that when I'm wrong in life and when I've been mistreated or misunderstood, I can come to a place where I am loved and where I am edified where I am prayed for, and where I can be made right with God, with God's people. David said that. He said, there's thrones of judgment up at your house. Things can be made right there. Isn't it ironic that the first, the first thing Satan does with a believer, when a believer gets crossed up in something, is he convinces that believer to quit assembling with God's people. Well, I failed, preacher, so I shouldn't be here. I'm not going to say this. This is just pretension, so don't leave. But everybody who has never failed, everybody who has never failed, think about it. All of us have. If I were to say everybody who has failed this week, you're at, I'm not going to say the word, but it starts with L. If I, if I said all of you who have failed this week, you're at, we don't need you here, I don't know who would be left to turn the lights out. This place would empty. I didn't come today because I'm perfect. I came today because I want to be around the people who know what it is to be forgiven and to know what it is to experience God's grace. 
David said, oh, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to get to be with God's people. David said, just to have my feet in the same place with the people of God. Oh, he said, this city is so permanent. It's so compacted. It's so together. We're so close when we're here. Look, there's Dan and Reuben and Issachar and, and all the tribes. God's got them from everyone. They've gathered in here from all communities and all places and different, and different counties to give thanks to God. Oh, I can get justice here. I can be myself here. I can come and be honest about who I am and where I am. He is so glad and so thrilled to be a part under the old covenant of that city of Jerusalem. How much are you thrilled to be a part of the local church under the new covenant of God's amazing grace? The local church has to edify and build us up. Finally, in verse 6 through 9, he asked the people to pray for the peace of and security of Jerusalem. He says that in verse number 6. Now you have probably heard that prayer request made in verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That became a popular prayer when Israel became a nation back in 1948. And everybody come to this and said pray for the peace of that city. But read the verse in context. The fact that he is glad to get to go to the house of God. The fact that he is glad that his feet is standing within the gates. The fact that he feels permanence and security in verse 3. The fact that he's able to look around and see different people of diversity, but they've all unified to give thanks to God. The fact that it is at that place where he can find unity, where he can find uh, some forgiveness and find some help. It is because of that that he says this, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In other words, pray that this place never be done away with. Pray that there always be a place under the old covenant where we can gather and be glad and be edified and be built up. What is this saying to us in the new covenant this morning? If you want to pray for the literal city of Jerusalem, that's okay. But I want you to know the emphasis here is pray for that place where you're glad to get. Pray for that place where you and your brothers and sisters in Christ can meet. Pray for that place where God compacts us closely together. Pray for that place where you look around and see all walks of life and diversity and you're able to thank God for it. Pray for that place where when you come and you failed, you can find some semblance of justice and forgiveness. Pray for that place for they shall prosper that love thee. Pray for that place because you love that place and you know that it's a benefit to your soul when you are able to gather there. That's what we need to pray for right here. He asked the people to pray for the peace and security of Jerusalem. I asked you this morning to pray for the peace and security of Western Lord Baptist Church. We must pray for peace within this body. We must pray that there be no division. We must pray that there be no civil war. We must pray that there be no disunity, no strife, no traitors within our walls. We must pray that. We must pray that no one ever unite with our church and be deceived about whether or not they're truly saved and a part of our church. That's what the psalmist is praying for under the old covenant, and that's what you and I should pray for under the new. How does Psalm 122 relate to our gathering for worship? I think it's answered in Ephesians 2, verse 19 through 22, and I want to read this verse. Listen to Paul's words about the church. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, 
and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. What a powerful, powerful verse. Dr. Warren Wiersbe writes about this 122nd Psalm. He writes these words, and I quote, You and I, we do not make the long pilgrimage to holy places such as Jerusalem in order to worship God. For our Lord does not dwell in man-made buildings, Acts 7, 48-50. Dr. Wiersbe goes on, Nor do we need the kind of religious entertainment that draws people to some meetings. The key thing is the heart. From David's words in this psalm, we can easily discern the kind of heart believers need if we are to please God in our corporate worship. End quote. He's exactly right. We must be drawn here because of Him. And when we arrive here, we must exalt Him. But in our exalting Him, it edifies us. And it builds us up. And it strengthens us to want to glorify Him and to live for Him. I want to close this morning by looking at verse 9 of Psalm 122. We'll get to the other passages maybe later. But verse 9, David says this, Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Do you see what David is saying here? He's saying that after experiencing the joy and gladness at being invited to be at Jerusalem and actually standing in Jerusalem, after mentioning some of the excellencies of the city of Jerusalem, he now makes this resolution in verse 9, that he will give himself entirely for the kingdom of God that is represented here in this old covenant language by the city of Jerusalem. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. The whole being, the whole being of the psalmist is taken up with what God is doing in that city. He is saying, I'm praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And in order that the peace might be brought about, he's saying, I give myself to that end. I'll be whatever God wants me to be. I'll give my time. I'll give my gifts. I'll give my talents. I'll give everything that I have for the sake of that assembly. And may that be our prayer here this morning. And may that be our longing that you and I be consecrated to Christ so the local assembly right here at Western Oregon can be what it should be. Oh, I love this 122nd Psalm. I've preached it many times over the course of my ministry. I've looked at it many times. But I don't think I've ever seen it in the light as I have the past couple of weeks in thinking about our corporate gathering. If David can be that excited about something under the Old Covenant that was just a shadow of things to come, Lord, how much more should we be excited about being under the new covenant? Thank God we don't have the shadow. We have the substance. And the substance is Jesus Christ. Will you pray that with me this morning? Will you pray for the peace of our church? Will you pray that God help you give yourself to that end? That you'll give whatever He asks of you to give? 
that this assembly can be whatever God would have it be. And that'll be different for every one of us. Every one, that'll be different for every one of us. But I think if we do, then we may re- revive and restore our gladness again in being able to meet. I've come to this conclusion that after the year 2020, as we stand here this morning in 2022, the only people who are going to faithfully return to worship and love and serve God are those who are truly redeemed. Those who are truly redeemed. I'm glad I'm one of them. All because of His grace. And I pray that you are. And I pray that we will pray for those who thought they were, but for whatever reason, they're not. I pray they will be. And I pray that throughout the history of this church, as long as she exists till Christ come to get her, whether I'm here or you're here or whoever's here, I pray that every time we enter, we'll be able to look around and say, man, it's good to be in this place of security and permanence. It's good to be a part of something that the gates of hell will never prevail against. And oh, it's so good to look around and see all the tribes represented in here. It's so good to be able to come and find some justice and some forgiveness and some prayer and some strength and to be able to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Will you pray that with me? I I ask you to. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege we have to gather. And I want to confess, Lord, my sin. I've oftentimes been less than glad when I gathered here with this congregation. Sometimes out of duty, sometimes, Lord, just out of obligation. Oh, Father, forgive me and help me to always be glad whenever I look on the calendar or I know what day of the week it is and think about the prospects of being able to gather in a place where brothers and sisters in Christ are gathered to worship You. Help this church to always exalt You first and foremost, but help us to understand that just our presence here today as God's child is edifying to somebody. It builds another Christian. Just our singing, our praying, our giving. Lord, it somehow, through your design, it edifies your body. It shapes us and makes us what we need to be. I want to thank you for the security and the permanence of this assembly. Lord, it's hard to understand, but Wessonor Baptist Church will one day be in heaven. Lord, we'll be with the rest of the church, but one day this local assembly will be united in heaven, and forever and forever we will praise and glorify your great name. But while we're down here, I pray for the peace of this church. I pray there be no division. I pray there not be one soul on our church membership roll who is unconverted and deceived about being a true Christian. I pray you would save to your glory and honor. And I pray you'd help me and every one of us to give ourselves totally and completely for your good in order that your local church may be what you designed it to be until we see you face to face. Lord, I want to tell you again this morning that I love you. And I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your family and a part of your church. And you bind our hearts together in love and help us to walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time Help us to do that. But first and foremost, may we exalt you when we gather. And may we be edified and built up together as the body of Christ. 
Help us as we go our separate ways. Lord, some of these tribes are going to the coast. Some are going to the farm. Lord, some are going to the lowlands. Some to the highlands. Lord, in a few moments, these tribes will all be scattered. The place here will be quiet with nothing but the warmth of our presence having been here. But, oh, Lord, may we not forget one another. May we not forget where we came from. May we not forget, had it not been for you, we wouldn't even be in this family. And may we pray for one another and love one another. And Lord, I ask you to be with us till we meet again. And when we meet again, may we come to exalt and may, may we come to edify one another. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.